0: Turns out Labor Day might not be the drop dead date for the NBA season anymore.
1: And the Lakers get and then return a $4.4 million small business loan.
0: And another big time player chooses the G League over college. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go.
1: You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: We've made it to Wednesday, which means it's me, John Corrales, along with Jake Madison. You can follow me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. Of course, you can find my podcast, the Locked On Celtics podcast.
1: And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Nola
0: Jake. Another week, another actual, another week show of actual news. We actually have things to talk about. This is, this is good. I don't know why. The basketball gods are giving us stuff on Wednesdays, but thank you. We don't have yeah, be, no, no complaints about that right now. <laughs> we don't have to be like the third day in a row of talking about the Last Dance, which which people should listen to. We had the uh, I was the host of the uh, Immediate Reaction podcast on Monday. If you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listen to that because that was an hour long conversation with Matt Peck and Matt Shook of Lockdown Bulls and Lockdown Pistons. It was a good conversation. But anyway. We're here to talk about a few different things, including the Adrian Wojnarowski report that uh, the NBA is kind of open to delaying next season even longer than maybe they initially said and in, in some insight into why the NBA kind of was putting out guidance for reopening practice facilities. So let's start there. Cause that feeds into the next bit. The, the reporting, and, and I thought this was, was gonna be the case, the, with, with governors, Jake, saying, we're gonna open our states, and in Georgia saying, we're gonna open our state, uh, regardless of what you think, whether they should or shouldn't, the NBA didn't want to run a risk. And th- the NBA responded by saying, okay, Instead of you guys going out and finding gyms, because if Atlanta was a place that opened up, you know that players from around the country were going to just flock to Atlanta and say, hey, let's get some five-on-five, let's get some shots up, let's play some actual basketball. We're dying to play some basketball. The NBA decided, okay, you can't go do that. We're going to instead open up practice facilities with these certain guidelines to let you guys go in, uh, strict conditions, Jake, but doing that instead of allowing these guys to go to places that have opened up to, into who knows what conditions.
1: Yeah. So I think there's two things involved in this. So that's, that's first and foremost, they didn't want players maybe taking unnecessary risks by heading to some place in Georgia just to get games in and not going through the pages upon pages of steps. That the NBA wants teams to do to just get a guy in a gym to shoot a basketball. So that makes sense. And it's also, you know, a competitive advantage thing potentially too. And they want to keep this playing field as level as possible, though I don't think it's necessarily entirely uh, possible to do so in a situation like this. So they kind of stepped in and I think, you know, found ways to make it maybe work for everyone, but. Yeah, you know, it just seems like we're still kind of at the forefront of everything, taking baby steps and inching towards, you know, keeping everything – getting basketball back. But I think, you know, the biggest thing I kind of took away from this whole story is, yeah, delaying the start of next season so that they can get the playoffs done now makes a ton of sense because this is your most lucrative time of year, the playoffs, these games that you would be seeing right now that would be going on, you know, today – and so I wonder if this is also a way of them just, just still trying to figure out how they can kind of salvage this, even if it means bleeding into the regular or you know shortening the regular season next year, which makes sense because that's not nearly as lucrative as the playoffs are.
0: Yeah, and and that's it's all about money, and you know th- it has to be about money. It's player safety is going to be part of it, um, and that's obviously the number one priority with how they're handling the reopening of practice facilities, but the money aspect is, is of paramount important, uh, paramount importance for both sides because the players want to make as much money as they can. The owners want to make as much money as they can. And for everybody who's listening right now that says, you know what, forget it, just, just cancel it and start next season. It's for exactly what you said. You don't cancel the playoffs. You, you, Figure out a way to get these things going. If you start a playoffs this summer somehow, think about how those ratings would be. Yep, it's you're
1: you're gonna you're not gonna get made whole, but you will recoup a percentage, probably a significant percentage of what you have lost. And right now, that's probably what they're just looking to do. Not to get back to 100%, but minimize the amount under 100% they are. And that means you don't just cancel the season. You've got to play some basketball.
0: Right. If you're, if you're putting it out there, it's better for the league. They lose less money by delaying it some more right now, getting a playoffs in, finding a way to crown a champion and delaying next season or cutting it down, cutting out regular season games. They make more money by doing it this way, and if the NBA comes back this summer, so many people are going to be watching. the The ratings mm-hmm. will be through the roof, and everybody knows it. And that's that's what's fueling this. So the NBA is taking its time. It's it's trying to a avoid players doing something stupid. Because we know they're going to do something stupid because they're 20 something year olds desperate to get back in to, to start playing some basketball and they're not going to be, they're not going to have the best judgment. You have to save them from themselves. So you, you create the scenario with, you can put three or four guys in a practice facility at a time. You know, you've got 17 guys when you get your, your G league, your two way players in there. So you can have like a staggered schedule. Whatever it is, you can go do it. You can get your shots up. That's fine. Then whenever the season looks like it's starting to ramp back up, then you can put your other thing in place. It was stressed by Woj that this isn't the precursor to the season beginning. This isn't that 25 days that, was initially reported where like, Hey, if these guys are going in to get shots up, is that the individual workouts? And and then do we start to move forward? This is just a reaction to States opening and the NBA saying, we want to make sure our players are in the most sterile environment possible because the worst absolute worst case scenario. Jake is one of these goes to one of these guys goes to a place and then comes out and tests positive for COVID-19. Then everything goes away. The whole thing stops again.
1: Again, and that's, you know, that's the general concern overall of, you know, a second wave of effects in everything, too. And so, so, yeah, you know, I, I think I saw online someone saying I think it was I, I think it was like an unnamed GM that was like, well, if we have all these pages and pages of things to just get guys into the gym to into a gym to take shots, then maybe we're probably not ready for this yet, which is kind of what this says to me. Uh, and then this is just the NBA kind of doing damage control and trying to prevent a situation like that, which is good. And smart, because, you know, there's only so much you can do probably to control players, to control teams, I think, to a degree. Uh, and, yeah, they're just kind of in a no-good spot still, and it's unfortunate the NBA kind of has to be at the forefront of all of this.
0: But, you know, the the positive side of it is if you're at the forefront, people are watching what you're doing, and if you're setting the tone, that means you could be the league that comes back first. And by setting the tone, if they're the league that comes back first – those ratings that I was saying before they get even higher. They, yep. they they the even more eyeballs, and that's exactly what the NBA wants. All the eyeballs on them. They want to be first, so they're going to be taking the lead as much as possible. Uh, th- in the meantime, the Lakers took the lead on something very bad and uh, gave them all the wrong headlines. So we'll be talking about the Lakers and they're dipping into federal funds, which okay. Uh, that's coming up in the meantime, if you're like me and you're hungry, like I'm hungry right now. So as we take this, this moment, I'm going to hop onto the Postmates app to get myself some dinner delivered. I'm always thinking about food. I'm thinking about when I'm going to eat, where I'm going to eat. Food is like my life. And, uh, the thing about Postmates is, they deliver food from every single restaurant that I can think of. It comes right to my door. It's burgers, it's sushi, but also groceries, anything, convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. And especially at this time, you need things delivered. They drop it at your door, they leave. It's much safer for you to do that. You don't have to take trips to the store. You don't have to take a late-night food run. You don't have to worry about where you're grabbing lunch. You download the Postmates app on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving all of our listeners $100 of free delivery credit in your first seven days. So to start free deliveries, download the app and use the code NBA. That's code NBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days. When you download the Postmates app, anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. the Los Angeles Lakers took advantage of a, <laughs> a something right uh, of a federal program that is supposed to help small businesses get through the pandemic it's the payroll protection program it's made uh, it was made available so small businesses that really suffered across the country could keep people employed and keep them paid and somehow the Lakers, somebody in the Lakers decided, hey, let's apply for that. And somehow the Lakers got $4.5 million. And luckily for the Lakers, they decided to return all of that money. But um, I don't know, Jake, who thought this was a good idea. And I don't even know why it was even uh, allowed, why it was even approved.
1: What? Yeah, there, there's a bunch to this one, huh?
0: Like, yeah. on, on
1: number a number of sides. Look, the, the Lakers shouldn't have done this. S- simple as that. They should not have done this, and... You know, I wonder, just like these other companies—Roost, Chris, Shake Shack, among um, others—and I absolutely love Shake Shack, by the way. Sure. But I'm mad at them over this. um, That, like, if they didn't get caught doing this, would they have actually returned the money? And that's a big question. It's also low, and it's not like it's free money—you have to pay it back eventually. So it's a little interesting that you kind of go about something like this. And look. The Lakers, uh, you know, at least used to be a little bit mom and pop. You know, the the bus family, their money comes from the Lakers. They're not tech moguls who, you know, do all this other stuff and have billions of dollars coming in from that. Their money and their, you know, spending money and all that is derived from the Lakers. That said, the Lakers are worth $4.4 billion. They're the second most um, expensive franchise Like. You can probably find 4.4 million, 4.6, whatever the loan was for, million dollars to cover whatever it is that you need, or you'll have access to other lenders, banks, institutions that can give you that money easier than say a small business owner who wouldn't get approved for that unless it was a situation like this. So it's, it's a scummy thing. I think that's the best way to put it. Like I get it to an extent, but at the same time,
0: like, yeah, don't. Yeah, it's, it's a small business loan. It's clearly meant for small businesses. It's meant for the places like when my, when I was a kid, my dad used to own uh, a restaurant and he was, it was him and I worked in it and he had like a payroll of like six or seven people. It's meant for people like that. It's meant for the people who are really kind of like the lifeblood of, of our economy. All of these small businesses across the country that are the ones that struggle the most. An NBA team, a professional sports franchise, the fact that any one of them, that anybody inside that that organization, and I don't know who said, hey, let's do this, and I'm certainly not going to pin it on any one particular person, um, but this ubiquitous, the Lakers did it. But
1: It's an organization. They all share blame, like everyone in there. It's just kind of how it goes with these things.
0: Why would anybody yeah. think like, hey, we should do
1: this? Well, here's the thing. No other NBA franchise thought to do this. Right. Because the Lakers, it's been reported the only one that did so. Now, we don't know about other pro sports teams, at least in the United States, but where, where it's only occurring. So it would only be them. <laughs> but, um, you know, they they're the only ones that thought to do this. Which is, like, the Knicks didn't even decide to try and do this. Like, that (laughs) tells you something, you know? Uh, And so you kind of look at this, and you're like, ugh. Now, this is also the government, too. The hell was this approved for? And maybe it's an automated process, an automated thing. But, you know, like, ugh, it's just such a bad look. And this reinforces, like, a lot of stereotypes about the Lakers, kind of, in a negative thing. It's not like the rest of the league loves this team. They try and bully their way because they think they're the Lakers and kind of above the rules. It's happened. I saw it here with Anthony Davis in New Orleans. We've seen it elsewhere with some of the tampering stuff and things like that, too. And this kind of reinforces some of that stuff. Sure. That's a They thought they could get away with this and like, ah, eh, whatever. It'll be fine. And then there's backlash. And I expect that they think they can just weather that backlash. And frankly, my Twitter mentions are going to probably be a freaking disaster after this. <laughs> and, you know, it, like, it kind of is what it is. But just – yeah exactly you get it like I don't know what else the other you know take on this would be
0: no it's it's i think I think a little bit of finger wagging the Lakers way is deserved um it, it they returned it that's that's fine it's a good thing, yeah, but you don't get
1: bonus points for that like you know, right. that's like you don't get bonus points for not cheating on your spouse. <laughs> you know, it's just like the expectation and you shouldn't get bonus points for doing like the right thing and what's expected of you. Although maybe in 2020 you do. Who knows?
0: I guess. Um, look, I, I understand that when certain things come available, everybody who's doing business, they want to lessen the impact. The, the NBA has a lot of teams that, you know, at the, Commissioner said the income is now zero. There's no money coming in, and there's still business being done. You still have to pay these guys, players still have to be paid, front office people, people, employees. Like the I will, I will just for the sake of giving some benefit of the doubt, four and a half million dollars going to pay. I don't think that was going to pay LeBron's salary. You know, it's probably going to pay some of the lower paid people in mm-hmm. the organization. But just like in the beginning of this thing, when we're talking about ushers and concessions people and all that, the teams that own these buildings that run the, those things, this is an opportunity for them to do the right thing and, and pay people in a very extreme circumstance. This boils down to the, the, the capitalism at work. And it's funny when... you say, hey, capitalism is fine when everybody's making their money. But when all of a sudden they stop making their money and the other side of capitalism is, well, now you're not making any money. Now what? Um, They all start going for these handouts. The handouts are are so evil until they need a handout and then they're out there reaching out, which is is the thing that probably pisses me off the most. These are are billionaires. You know that the sports are going to come back. You know that the Lakers brand is going to carry you through. People are still going to buy your stuff. And this is an opportunity to do the right thing. And this is such a horrible look. And it just, like you said, it reinforces so many bad things that it, even though they returned it, you see, like it, it really, like the, 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 the finger wagging, the, the whatever you want to call it, it's deserved and, and they deserve a lot of this negative attention. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, like, again, I get
1: it to an extent. Look, they met the guidelines for everything. It's, you know, companies under 500 people. If, you know, you you meet that, like, I can see why people are like, well, I'm going to try. You know, I just think if you're one of these big sports teams that has a higher profile and know what, like, come on, like, it would have taken a genius to figure out that there was going to be negative backlash to this. Yeah. Like, that's where it's like, ugh. You know, know, in theory, they didn't do anything wrong, but we're going to look at them like they did. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. The G League is becoming a, a bigger destination for these recruits, these guys in the 2021 draft class. Uh, another one has chosen to give up college and go to the G League. We're going to talk about that. UCLA thought it had a big-time recruit, point guard Nicks. Nix. Uh, he was going to be part of the Bruins next season until he decided to decommit to the UCLA Bruins and go into the G League, another player going into this new G League program. That will feature some of the best young high school talent that would have gone into college. Daisha Nix is expecting to, expected to make about $300,000 in this deal, according to Sham Sharania. And it, it's another kind of blow to college. This is an interesting thing that, that's happening here. Uh, he is, is just the next player to choose this new G league kind of path into the NBA, uh, neither is a guarantee, but the, the opportunity to make a clean $300,000 and sign, uh, he also signed an endorsement deal that the opportunity to do that right away, uh, is, is an interesting next step. And, and just as the commissioner said, Jake, a precursor to eliminating that one and done rule.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And so this is awesome. Like, this is great that this guy can go and make a ton of money like this if he wants to. And I don't know about anything about him as a prospect or what he was going to be like and all of that. And we don't need to get into that. I'm glad they have the option for this. I think, my again, my biggest takeaway from this one is I see a lot of people on Twitter being like, and the NCAA is dead. It's not. It's not going to really change college basketball that much except just not have some of the top prospects in there that maybe you would be excited about since I think it's more brand-driven by the teams and the schools than it is by the individual players. And someone will take his spot on this UCLA roster with a scholarship, and it will all be fine, and the world moves on. But it's cool that the NBA is really kind of expanding on this because you kind of look at a draft class like this, and it's just – kind of weak and a bit disappointing, but what if you had more guys who did go to the G League at least for a little bit, got a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more experience, kind of understood what it takes to be a pro player a little bit more because of that, and does that kind of increase the depth of maybe future drafts, things like that, or make you feel a little bit more confident in some of these players? And I think it does, and I like that. That's good. So it's just kind of a good thing all around.
0: I've long been a proponent of a system like this, I think the NBA and USA Basketball would do well to – they've already got a pretty good partnership. I think they'd do well to increase that, and, and they have been. Uh, but take it even a step further if they can. There's so many young basketball players. Like I find it so hard to believe that in a country of 300 million people with so many good basketball players around – that every year there's only like three that end up in the draft that are like really good. Like I, I, I don't understand how that's possible. And I just think that the system weeds out too many kids that, that never really had a fair shot, uh, for various reasons. Maybe they choose a college that didn't fit them and the transfer rules are too restrictive and in those have changed, but until now, until now, Transfer rules are too restrictive. They drop out. They go, they go away. Uh, you can talk to any NBA player about where he came from and they'll drop five names that you've never heard. Like this dude was legit. This dude was nice. This dude should have been in the league. And for various reasons, it didn't pan out. Now they're not all going to pan out, but creating a system where these young players are identified And given a structure from like before teenage years, you know, to get them kind of into the mode of here's how you act with the team. Here's what you need to do here. Here's how you develop your skills and give them the structure. And then when it comes time to be 17, 18 years old, give them a minor league somewhat similar to baseball to give them a tier or two below to say, okay, here's let's see how good you really can be. And and find a way to market those leagues to pay these kids some decent money and give them opportunities. Um, one of the best parts of this program, Jake, is that the kids will get money to go back to school yep. if they want. Uh, and that that's so key to all of this because we can pick out these guys and say station Nix is gonna be blah blah blah. And and maybe he is, but maybe he's not. And this opportunity to be like, Hey, you know what it didn't pan out. You can or you got hurt, you can go you can still go back to school and get an education and maybe you come into the NBA a different way through a coach or a front office uh path.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's really good. Other alternatives to getting more people into the league, even if it's more you know, diversity or just different voices into front offices, onto the coaching staffs, I think is a good thing. And you're seeing a lot more of that now, particularly I think over the past two or three years too. But even more of that is definitely a good thing. Just get the best people kind of into the league, whether it's as players, front office coaches, and developing more pipelines and the ability to do so is awesome.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, when it comes to the NCAA, no, the NCAA is not going to be dead. Uh, they're going to still put on a much no, match. It'll be
1: totally fine, I think.
0: People will still, the people who prefer college to the pros are always going to prefer college to the pros. Now there's also a possibility of the pendulum swinging and so many of these guys going into a minor league that some player who is, you know, who could be going into that says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go into college, I'm going to dominate. At UCLA and become like the consensus player of the year and maybe raise your profile and then when it comes draft time you you're, you're getting fat against some lesser competition but I get it yeah you're you're still raising your profile and be like wow this kid is dominating college and you lead your team to a national championship hey that that's a way that some kids that that will be a path that is available to some some players who might think like. You know, instead of doing this, I'm going to go try to become a star here. So when I do get drafted, I immediately get endorsement deals. So I'm not going to make $300,000, but let's just pretend that you don't get paid in college. But I'm going to go, and when I get out, I'm going to get my rookie contract, however many million, plus endorsement deals. It's worth that investment, taking the bet on yourself. So there is – the NCAA will have some viability still. I'm not going to say that they're dead either.
1: Yeah, I think that was a little bit like over overdone. I know people love to kind of you know dunk on the NBA, or on the NBA, on the NCAA, which cool. I and like to do it as well. Yeah, I love like, it. no, that's the right that's the right attitude to have. I think here it's just I think for them they're like whatever, no big deal, life goes on, and they're still going to put on much Madness and make a ton of money.
0: I will say though, so, it is still I'm not going to say no big deal because this is top talent, and March Madness will still draw eyes, but. I am curious to see what it's going to look like at UCLA and what the ratings and all that stuff is going to to be when this, this guy who's going to be allegedly one of the best point guard prospects in the 2021 draft, maybe the best, is, you know, how's that going to impact UCLA basketball? How's that going to impact the kind of November, December, January college numbers? March is going to be March. We know that. But it's the other stuff. Um, and, and frankly, anything that knocks the NCAA and, and NCAA down a peg is is fine with me because I think the restrictions that they put on these kids are so so restrictive that they don't they don't allow these kids to, to have the the full path to success that they have. And, and maybe my number one reason why I like this program and what Knicks and others are doing is bypassing this thing and making their own choice. Uh, and and they can they can kind of control their own destiny. Uh, I understand that you don't want to have kids transferring, you know, year after year after year. But you you can't you can't just keep these kids and hold them down uh, for for nothing while you're building a billionaire uh, a, a billion dollar industry.
1: Look, I agree. I think they're just going to look at this and be like, "Cool, UCLA gets hurt. Does the NCAA though, as an organization that kind of governs all of this get hurt?" And the answer is probably no. It's Kentucky and Duke, North Carolina, all those, are they still getting into the tournament? You know, do you follow them casually because it's Kentucky or because of some of the specific players? It de- maybe it depends on who you are, but you know, I don't know if this like this kid not going to UCLA really dents anything. Like yeah. it's not good. I'd say they want to have better talent in there because that leads to a better product. But if this is kind of happening to all of the schools out there, you know, this is like a one-off situation, a one-off year with it. When we eventually get to it where the top talent is skipping college and going directly to the NBA, everyone's then kind of on the level playing field again. And so it kind of becomes business as normal once everything is leveled out. And so that's why it's like, cool, whatever. Like they're fine. It hurts them a little bit, but they're probably in their huge, like, towers in their fancy suits and big-ass tie knots (laughs) just with their heads tilted back laughing about all of this or something like that to me.
0: Yeah, I'll just leave it at that because, (laughs) you know, you're right. In a couple years, you're going to have the early entry rules changing anyway, so um, going too deep into this isn't necessarily going to change things. Yeah. Um, but. We'll see, we'll see what, what the uh, general impact is. All right. That's going to do it for the Wednesday locked on NBA. As always on Wednesdays, I am one of your hosts, John Corrales of masslive.com. You can find me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John and I am the host of the locked on Celtics podcast.
1: And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake.
0: David Locke's got Thursday locked on NBA. Make sure you're subscribed to that. And now go tell your smart device to play the next episode of Rejecting the Screen.